hey, Adam, you've been replaced by a guy named Rick Beato. This dude knows everything about music. In fact, his YouTube channel is called Everything Music. Sayonara. I'm Peter Martin, and you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Very excited today for part three, our conclusion. Or I, you know what? I'm not even going to say our conclusion. Adam's not here. So it's my conclusion of my discussion, uh, my, my remote interview and discussion of all things music uh, with Mr. Rick Beato, who has, uh, you know, one of the largest... He doesn't have one of the largest music channels on YouTube, but he has one of the largest music channels of somebody that really knows music, if not the largest. So um, we had so much fun in this discussion. We hope you enjoyed this conclusion today. Uh, As always, we're brought to you by Open Studio. Go to OpenStudioJazz.com for our big Black Friday giveaway. We're calling it Ultimate because it is the ultimate, so check that out. Here's the rest of the interview. Enjoy. I'm wondering, Rick, if, you know... I mean, I'm totally in agreement about ECM and just this general, we talked about this the other day off, offline, but, you know, the general kind of uh, pervasive attitude in a part of the jazz community, you know, that leads to all the jazz police jokes that we have overdone here on the podcast. But I mean, this idea of like keeping everything in a museum and protecting it so much and it's so, um, you know, it's so important. It can't even be on YouTube and we can't even play a, a, a you know, a little part of it. And it has to be, per, you know, it has to be the perfect experience. And then, you know, the reality is there's not even that many people that know about or want to hear this anyway. So what exactly are we protecting? But I, I think that, you know, maybe one of the pathways is like folks like you that are, that have a, a, a nice little platform on YouTube, even when you talk about these recordings, you know, talk about, uh, you know, belonging and spirits and like like this stuff that you know it's kind of the same as when we were coming up you know some older musician or someone like man you need to check that record out but we had to go buy the record or whatever and so it's like now you talk about it and it becomes like this special mysterious thing that that they have to do a little bit of legwork to go check out because we're always you know we're doing the same thing we're always playing stuff and we just put stuff on there and see if they're going to make us take it down or not that's how we learned what you could and couldn't (laughs) put on the well the podcast (laughs) it's a little easier that's what i do yeah the podcast (laughs) is a little easier than youtube i'll get I'll, i'll tell you that we can let a lot more stuff slip into the podcast but um you know somebody like you especially if you mentioned this and you've done this i know before to an audience that's not coming to you for like what are the top 10 jazz albums or whatever maybe they're coming for the for like 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 on your you know top 20 drum fills and you've got that great tony williams and it's so funny because like i know tony <laughs> I williams had to sneak, i had to sneak that in there you oh know? man you did but it's like nobody they, these people don't know who tony williams this is the rockers that are that are listening to this but they need to know who tony williams and is and billy cobham and you know yeah yeah, and I mean, most uh, of those other drummers, those great drummers that are playing the fills, knew Tony Williams, and we're getting stuff right. from him, you know, Lifetime and and whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, this is like it's such a, a a great passing of information, you know. Even when they do block things or whatever, it makes it even harder for people to find it. But I I, I love that aspect of, uh, of of YouTube, and like I was telling you the other day, you know, my my dad is, you know, he's a classical musician, retired symphony player, but he plays bluegrass and jazz. He plays a lot of it. He's just super talented guy. But he, um, you know, he's always sending me links of like, he doesn't know how to link to an actual YouTube video, but he'll say, 
go to youtube.com search for this <laughs> click on the top video that comes up you're, you know this oscar peterson you're going to be amazed i just don't have the heart to tell him that the same thing doesn't always show up the top for him as me <laughs> but it's always good stuff i'm seeing anyway um, you know I, I i did a video early in my channel when the first time i ever had anything blocked related to well it was a jazz thing well kind of a jazz thing and I didn't know that blocking was a thing on YouTube. I told a story about meeting Michael Brecker in 1999 at <laughs> Avatar Studios in New York. Um, he was walking down the hall. I was working in Studio D on a record, um, and he was in Studio C. I didn't realize it, so I'm walking down the hall, and he was, and we passed each other. I said, "Oh my God, you're Michael Brecker," and he, um, and I, and I told the story about, about meeting him there. Then he invited me over to listen to, to some stuff. And he was doing a record with Elpin and, and Pat Metheny and, mm. and, uh, geez, I forget who, I think it was, I think it was a record from 99. I think they didn't have a bass player. Maybe they had, was it organ guitar drums and sax. I think it was mm. anyways. Um, so, um, he, uh, um, I told this story, this, this, well, I, I was, I was telling this story driving in the car while I was driving to Starbucks and it took as long to get from my house to the Starbucks. And I finished the story and then I played, I was telling about the Klaus Ogerman record called cityscape that is, uh, came out in 1984 and it's Klaus Ogerman arrangement, string arrangement with Michael Brecker playing this particular thing. You can see it. You can listen to the piece on YouTube now at the time you couldn't. And the first two minutes of it are, are the, just some of the greatest minutes ever on a jazz recording. I consider it jazz, but it's really kind of a blend of modern classical music and jazz. But Brecker's playing is just so outstanding on it and beautiful. And the writing is amazing. Anyway, so put up the video. I tell this whole long story and YouTube takes the music out of the video. They mute it. <laughs> they didn't take it down. They said because of copyright issues that you're, the music has been muted. So I talked this whole long story and people are writing in the comments, what happened to the music? Said, what do you mean? So I go listen to it and, and they used to just mute the music. Right. They mute the audio. So I re uploaded it as a rant then and uh, <laughs> that I couldn't believe that, that they would block that. I'm thinking, I said, how many people are buying this record? Um, that they should be happy that people are talking about it. Right, no. right, right. A little sampler. When you think about it, it, it Peter, who's ever going to play that Klaus Ogerman arrangement? Oh, those arrangements on on those records. He did that in a uh, Gateway of Dream, uh, Gateway of Dreams. He did another record um, mm -hmm. that Brecker's on, and they're just amazingly great records. And I was thinking that he finishes the the or orchestrations. They go and record in the studio. He picks up the scores and he goes and sets them down on on a somewhere on a shelf in his in his house. And that's the only time that will ever get played. Right. And now neither of them, you know, Klaus died two years ago and Michael's been gone since 2009 and, and, um, and that's it. But those scores must exist, those parts, and right. it should be played again by someone else. It shouldn't just have one performance. Right. Because the recording is not, you know, Brecker's part sounds phenomenal, but the orchestra you can't, the mids are not clear on it. So you can't really transcribe exactly what the strings are doing, but it's beautiful. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I, 
I don't know. I don't know. Just I don't know why I went on that tangent. <laughs> but that if, if anyone knows anything about that record or knows where those where those or, orchestral parts are, get somebody to to. Uh, I wish Chris Potter would play it or somebody would. Yeah, some get, young saxophone player would make a recording of that again. Yeah, man. They could just directly upload it to YouTube at this point. How about that? That's what would exactly. happen. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff, yeah. though. Great, great stuff. I think, um, I think I was just wondering uh, if there was maybe one video. I know I mentioned a couple. Is there, uh, I'll put you on the spot a little bit here, you know, like something from your channel that you think our listeners maybe um, that we could link to that you think of might be of some special interest. It doesn't have to be jazz related or, or it could be sneakily jazz, as you mentioned, but is there something, um, maybe that's a little bit under the radar that you'd like to see well, percolate a little there bit? There was a, a video called it's time for a major change. Uh, that was one of my sneaky ones that I did, uh, that's analyzing a Pat Metheny tune, but it's Brecker playing on it. Brecker, McCoy, Pat, and, and I just analyzed the bridge of this song called Song for Bill Bow that's all major chords moving in whole steps. And uh, uh, I think that's a that's a an really interesting video to see how they weave through these uh, th- through these chord progressions. I talk about jazz players, a jazz kryptonite, I call it, is <laughs> our major, just major triads yeah. moving around with no sevenths. Right, right, uh, right. That, that for mo- most jazzers, it's like, where's the major seventh? Where's the dominant seventh? You know, it's like, you gotta be able to play over triads. Yeah, man. No, I love and that. And is an, is an expert at that. He can wind through any set of changes and play the most melodic, you know, and he's not just arpeggiating the chords. Right. He's playing line, he's playing phrases that just all the notes work perfectly over this, you know? And uh, so I analyze what they play and talk about it and things. So that's a, I think that's a cool video. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome one. We're definitely going to link to that. And then one more I'll throw in there. You might, you might laugh at this one, but because it's, <laughs> we were talking about my short two minute jazzes and how long I've been doing that, but your, uh, your melodic minor scale, you know, like jazz versus classical Rick one. I, that's pretty. That's pretty close to two minutes, Rick. I gotta say, man, the pacing on it's really good. It felt longer. I had to go back and check on that. But that's kind of a a fun one for somebody that literally has like two and a half minutes. But um, I think that's that's a really interesting area. You know, for me because I kind of came up in the classical and the jazz world. I love those, and I know you've done that on some other ones too. But we're gonna link to that one too because you have a really sort of simple and interesting t- take. And I mean, I'm ashamed to say, like that actually answered a question that I always had that I, I understood musically, you know, the difference between a melodic minor and the Aeolian and why they're classical and jazz people look at it differently. But I intellectually, I could never quite answer it because I've kind of come from both worlds. So I was already like, you were kind of my personal psychiatrist with that video, Rick. That's what it was. <laughs> it was a little bit bipolar because there was the two Ricks, but it, it did help me kind of, you know, come to, come to terms with the two Peters on that. There's so. actually a great, there's actually a great example of that in the uh in um eleanor rigby how mccartney uses dorian on the first part of the melody uh and then he uses aeolian he uses the natural and flat six in the verse melody which is amazing Mm. and most people don't realize that um uh that uh and that's that's really where i couldn't think of any other in, in pop music, I can't think of uh, maybe Sting has done it, but uh, 
or and Paul Simon, but I can't think of many other people that would do uh, that would you know use the melodic well Dorian or melodic minor you know raised sixth and flat sixth in the same uh, in the same melody and he uses it kind of in the same way that the melodic minor and and uh, natural minor are used in classical music right 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 so, well and you know what Rick I, I want to just for all of our listeners to just really recommend I mean something that we've talked about Adam and I here on the um uh, Adam's my co-host who's actually on tour in Japan, so he's losing mm-hmm. out He's losing out big time today, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you take off. No, but, you know, we'll talk about ear training and how much, you know, from quality pop music jazz musicians can learn, and, like, we have to get over... I mean, that's, that's how I learned most... I mean, I had a lot of classical ear training, too, but before I was, and even while I was, like, learning solos, everyone's always asking us, you know, what McCoy solos should I learn? What should I, I was like, can you, you know pick apart the harmony and the time signature and all the things your ears need to hear in a classic Beatles song and then take that through a couple of different keys. And so you can do that. McCoy Tyner's solo with the left hand and everything can wait. There's so much stuff sitting there, you know, that's already sort of in our consciousness and our ears. And I I would just recommend everyone to check out many of your videos because you kind of are doing some more sneaky, sneaky jazz training with some analysis of, of pop tunes and stuff that people can actually do and digest in maybe a couple of days. Um, I mean, learning a McCoy solo is great, and I did it a bunch. And, you know, if you've got a month to spare eight hours a day and I guess a sugar daddy to support you, you can do that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but there's so right. much stuff, and you um, – I mean, obviously, I mean, of course, you actually get in front of the blackboard and go into Professor Rick as well and break this stuff down from a theoretical standpoint. But I would just encourage folks to check out your, you know, your analysis of of pop harmony and stuff, because there's so much, even as jazz players, that we can learn from that and develop our ears. And I know a lot of people, you know, came to you and see your ear training, you know, the amazing stuff with your kids and, and stuff like that. But I think that you kind of sneakily lay out a lot of the actual, I mean, not talking about perfect pitch, but talking about actual ear training in how you mm-hmm. break down the the music, you know? Yeah. It's a, that that's probably the most important thing that uh, the people can do for their playing, you know, in whatever, whatever genre of music you're, you're, you're trying to excel in, but ear training is, is absolutely the most important being able to, just hear a melody and play the intervals or transpose it um, or hear a chord quality and know what it is, you know, is um, obviously if you're a jazz musician, if somebody's, if you're playing with somebody and you're on the, you know, and you go to the, uh, you know, third bar of all the things you are, when it goes to E flat seven and somebody plays E flat 13 flat nine, that informs you on the person's, you know, what they're, what kind of records they listen to. It tells you that you're going to play a dominant diminished sound on that, or that they're, they at least, you know, if the, if you were playing Peter and you play that, I'd be, I'd say, Oh, okay. So that's what Peter's here in there. But that if you played a dominant, you know, sharp nine, sharp five, the next time around, it's like, oh, it's okay. Altered. So it could be really be anything. So I'm going to be listening for those, those sounds. And the ear training is really important to be able to pick those things out. It informs you on the people you're playing with. It tells you what what kind of sound you're hearing. You might play, you might get to the first, you know, to, to the C major chord and play E over C. And I say, oh, he's gonna, there's a Lydian augmented sound there. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that tells me a lot about your, about, you know, your background and the kind of records you listen to and things like that. So mm. ear, ear training is really, really important. Absolutely. Oh, I'm 
totally agree. And I, I think, I mean, you know, kind of microcosm of that was that so what breakdown that you did where you totally fluffed over the swinging bass line, but you hit the stuff to be able to hear the intervals between what they were playing. I love that approach because, you know, especially jazz guys, they get so caught up in like, how do I swing? How do And to me, like that's, I, I hate to even say it like that's the easy part, but it should be. Like if you're being trained up as a musician and working on your ears the same way if you're learning a language, you're working on your vocabulary and how do you put a sentence together. Like the mm -hmm. feel and the the accent and stuff, that's, yeah, it takes time to develop that, but that's the least theoretical part. Like who wants to see somebody breaking down the mathematics and theory behind a sw you know how to swing the so what bass line? You can't really, I guess, but you, you can. can talk about the intervals and can you hear them and what happens when you go up a half step and how are you going to finger him in those things? And um, I can, you know, I see that coming through in all your stuff, which is great. Well, you know, just when I was watching a video of yours the other day where you're talking about the diminished scale and uh, playing over dominant chords and, and, and just the way that you break up your lines not just you know that when you're you would be showing how what triads would come from the scale but just in general rhythmically how you uh how you break apart your lines i mean is is beautiful it's uh you know that's what's so great about your playing it's not just the melodic things that you play but but the flow rhythmic flow of what you play and, and where you leave space in your lines and everything is really uh amazing Oh man, thank you. And thanks, thanks a lot. It means a lot coming from you, Rick. Um, all right, everybody. This is Mr. Rick Beato, the Just man. This, you know. <laughs> the man, the legend, the OG. Um, and and folks, you know, you of course you can find him on his YouTube channel, Everything Music, which like I I think I said at the beginning, I can't remember if that was the outtake we did, but I love it when something is like, you know, you put something together that has a title that's appropriate. You know, and that is like if you if you go on a deep dive in Rick's YouTube channel, you will get everything music, which is what is the title of it. So we thank you for that. And um, check out his Beato Club. I haven't become a member yet because I'm hoping I might be able to hook up something later with you, Rick. But we'll talk about that. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in the next interview, hopefully. And um, where else can folks find you online? I'm, I'm sure they just put in Rick Beato on in Google. But where, where would you like to connect? If you would like to connect with folks, you can follow me on Instagram at Rick Beato One. There you go. Good so, stuff. I, I I do a lot of guitar playing, more guitar playing on Instagram. That's kind of how I use it. Mm, nice, good stuff. So, um, all right, cool. We got anything else, or should we um, take it out of here? Good man, we're good. This is good. Thanks so much, Rick. And Thank uh, thanks, Peter. everybody, for listening. And uh, until tomorrow, you'll hear it. All right, there you go. That's the conclusion of my interview with Rick Beato. Um, I had a great time. I want to thank Rick so much for giving up his time for this interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We are brought to you by Open Studio. As always, go to openstudiojazz.com. And this is a great time to check out our offerings um, because we have an ultimate giveaway that by the time you're hearing this is going to be up and available. And this is be totally free. This is like, doesn't matter if you're a member or not, open to anybody. So go to openstudiojazz.com to learn about all the details of that. I can't even talk about them yet because we're still settling what's going to be in there. But what I've already seen is truly amazing. So go check that out when you get a chance um, and consider joining at some point. That would be great. Openstudiojazz.com. Until tomorrow, you'll hear it. <laughs> <laughs>